Welcome back to the Green Element podcast, where we feature business leaders and innovators transforming their operations to be more environmentally and socially sustainable. I'm your host, Will Richardson, and I can't wait to meet our guest today and help you on your journey of sustainability. Thank you for joining the Green Element podcast. And today we have Livy Drake on. And Livy is a massively keen environmentalist, is fair to say. You went overland to Spain and um, you did document that. So if you want to go back and have a look at your um, travels, I think you can actually read about them, can't you? And because you went to, did you? Not sure. How do I know about them? I can't work. I can't remember now. <laughs> yeah, good question. I'm not sure whether I ever wrote about it. I probably it's probably my to do list, my blog list. I've never written. <laughs> I've probably told you about it. Oh man, now I feel like I've been stalking you. That's horrendous, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> anyway. I'm really excited to have you on today. Could you tell us a bit about who you are? And um, yeah. Um, so yeah, hi, my name's Libby Drake of the Sustainable Sidekicks. Um, I am a massive environmentalist um, and I've done lots of things to see how I could reduce my carbon environmental footprint um, to really understand if the world and individuals and organisations have make have to make massive changes, what it would be like. So I went vegan, gave up a car, gave up flying. Um, what else did I do? I gave up a lot of things all at once and really looked at kind of what that felt like. And that's why I got really interested in behaviour change. So um, alongside uh, doing sustainability advice for organisations, I also um, very much focus on behaviour change and interweaving that into how we can actually have systemic change for the environment. Brilliant, brilliant. I and mean, it'd be great to talk to you more about um, behaviour change because I know you do a um, series of webinars and um, courses on on the subject. So it'd be great to get your insight on, um, on that. So what would you say your business superpower is? So I think, um, so sort of our strap line is, um, or my sort of the way I look at it is, I'm a sustainable sidekick to businesses, campaigners and green champions, helping them to deliver environmental behaviour change. And um, I would say what I want to do is support people for them to make the changes. I don't want to be the person who does all the changing when I work with an organisation. I want to empower people. So it's about empowering people. And I feel like the secret source for us is, um, for me, is uh, behaviour change, because it's the thing that really will create bigger changes. Um, Because one of the issues I have with the environmental movement is there's too many people talking from their own pace of uh, values and what inspires them to make changes, which isn't what inspires a lot of other people. And using behaviour change theory, you can really understand what makes other people tick and use that as a way to um, to drive change and to communicate with them better. That makes a lot of sense. And um, I guess by people doing things themselves they're more likely to continue that 
um, change, aren't they? Yeah, and I think that it's really important um, that people feel empowered to make changes um, and feel that environmental issues are something they can take action on, especially within their organisation. Um, I read the, um, I think it was called, it's called the Edelman's, um, uh, what's it called, the Edelman's Trust um, Barometer from 2020. And it said that 73% of employees expect to be making changes within society and um, and they expect to be making changes um, within their, um, be part of the planning for change. So within an organisation, people don't just want to be doing their job and going home again. They actually want to be a, um, to be a change maker. And this was worldwide research and the UK was included in that. 73 percent is an awful lot isn't it yeah that's amazing yeah so that's where organizations really have to step up now and empower people to make those changes set up green teams and also um be sort of inspired to or allow people to sort of take that lead because um you know it's frustrating if you people you know are frustrated that they see all the issues that are on going on in the world climate change plastics and then they go to work and feel that their organization is part of the problem yeah that makes sense that's brilliant and can you tell us a bit about how you engage um people on your mission and purpose so um what um I, how I engage people is certainly so kind of using a lot of behavior change principles and really taking people back a step to understand what makes people tick to how to understand people because um, it's very easy to think all we have to do is uh, educate people that's like the classic of environmentalists and people who are passionate we just need education but actually there's lots of reasons that people do these behaviours that we think are unsustainable. And so we need to understand those. So it's understanding what are people's habits and how prominent habits are in our day-to-day lives and the fact that our brains actually um, try to avoid thinking as much as possible because thinking uses energy and our brain wants to minimise the amount of energy that it's using. So we do lots of things just... um, as a habit without thinking about it. So lots of things like jumping in the car or eating particular meals are because of habit, not because conscious choices. So if we want to inspire change, we need to understand where are those habits coming from? Where's the opportunity to engage with them? And in the workplace, that's I mean, the workplace doesn't exist at the moment, but within organisations, there's lots of people things that people do because of habits. They also do lots of things because of the social norms. And many people will feel like this is what we do in our company. So they go along with that, even if maybe they don't agree with it. So how do you change what's the current social norm, what the majority of people are doing, so people feel that they can actually make change? And so one of the ways to do this is actually using people at the top. So CEOs, there's something called authority bias. So people look for people in power to actually take action. And again, from that report, um, I think they said 74% of respondents expected CEOs to be speaking out about climate change. So there's that top down, you know, we always talk about this in sustainability, that top down, bottom up approach, but it really Mm -hmm. does make sense. So 
you change the social norms, which is what everyone's doing, and you get the people at the top making that change because people expect to look for authority to um, inform their behaviour. So those are the key behaviour change principles I would always look at when I start talking to people about how they're going to make changes and how they understand what people are actually doing and why they're doing it. It's really interesting, that, isn't it? It's the um, that not thinking and just habit. You don't really think about it like that because you, you see a lot of businesses, say printing, for example, printing a document to read it. Um, and I've always wondered why people do it and it's with that that would fall into what you're talking about wouldn't it massively it's just a habit and um so I've been working with an organization who were trying to their print their printing was off the scale and what they um realized was people were just automatically pressing print and they just had this huge stack of paper that no one was actually reading and it was just a habit so what they did was people had to there was a block put in the place. So you actually had to go to the printer and press OK to get the printed materials. And we don't have any evidence of what the impact was because of COVID. No one goes to the office anymore. But uh, <laughs> that, was, that was a massive gate. That was a massive um, habit breaker. But um, th- that thing where then suddenly you have to be con- conscious again of like, what am I doing? Do I want to do it? And that has, you know, coronavirus, if you remember at the beginning of lockdown, when suddenly you went shopping and you had to think, where do I walk? How close do I stand to people? What am I wearing? Suddenly, habits went out the window and everything's very conscious. And so um, I think in the supermarkets, it's about like 60% of shopping is done because of habit. And a lot of... and. Right. Most and then it's very little. It's actually like conscious thought, but suddenly people were conscious again. So coronavirus and going back into the workplace and changing behaviours, you know, is, has a great opportunity for changing behaviours because suddenly people are conscious again of what they're doing and why they're doing it. And another huge aspect is infrastructure. So with that example of the printing is infrastructure very often drives particular behaviours, especially in the workplace. Um, And so it's looking at what is that infrastructure and how it's leading people to a particular habit and how you can create friction and a barrier to stop that, maybe by putting in more things in place or how maybe your um, particular infrastructure is actually a barrier. So the example of, you know, getting people to cycle to work is obviously quite normally quite a big thing. But actually, if there isn't a um, if there's an expectation in your workplace that people should come really clean and well presented and you don't have a shower, then your the lack of shower is a barrier yeah. to that behaviour. So it's thinking about that as how how infrastructure really affects behaviours. It's not rocket science, is it? <laughs> no, no, but it's people. What people think is that people are making um, rational decisions all the time about their behaviours. And so they think people are thinking, oh, am I doing this because of this? Uh, And the reality is we're not. We're very much living on autopilot. We're thinking about worrying about things because we're like, we're like, um, you know, our sort of like uh, 
tribal selves back in the day were thinking, are we going to be attacked at the moment? Who's coming to get us? What does that other person think? Am I going to get kicked out of the tribe? And this is what our brain's actually worrying about. What happened in that meeting? Am I going to lose my job? Da, 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 da. And just, you know, going around, not thinking about those day-to-day -day actions. Or if we are thinking about them, we're thinking about what does someone else think about me doing that action? So um, recycling is another one. It's a social norm that people put those bins out because they have an expectation that their neighbours will notice if they haven't put the, the recycling bins out. So the infrastructure, which is the bin, made the social norm possible. Ah, I never, Keep I never, I never thought about that. It's massive, massive. I think I've, I've always, yeah, as you can imagine, I've always put the recycling out. Yeah. I was one of those idiots that threw the people's, other people's recycling back in the day to make sure that it was all sorted correctly because someone told me that if it wasn't sorted, it would go into landfill. I was like, oh, I'm not having that. So I'd go down the street sorting people's things. And my girlfriend at the time was like, oh, man, you are that crazy person, aren't you? <laughs> but I don't know. You, I felt like I couldn't walk past it without. <laughs> so I would say this, um, in terms of people types, you're a pioneer. So pioneers do things because of their values and they're very socially and environmentally driven and they do things because it's the right thing to do and maybe because they and you might care a lot less about what people think about you but prospectors mm. do things because of they care about what other people think and so they would be more keeping up with the joneses and then settlers do things because of their community and their family and safety so they'd be motivated um for doing things for very different reasons um so, yeah, so not everyone does things because they're because of social norms. But and if you want to change social norms, it's quite good to get some pioneers leading on it. But in the workplace, you don't want them to be too green and too hippie ish because people will think, do I want to identify with that? Do I identify with that person? Do I want to move into their crew? Do I like their tribe? Mm. Mm, I like mm. the other tribe, which is a bit more, you know, there's more of the people in this tribe. So you also need to get kind of the, the people that you know people identify with so it's you know you need a variety of people on your green team that makes sense that makes sense and probably from a cross-section of your organization as well yeah exactly so you need those people who are decision makers but you also need those people that people can relate to because messengers aren't just um people at the top actually this the um the resort the trust report said that um Following on from its ex people most trusted to take um, trusted are experts, um, and then it's uh, local people in the community, and then peers, and then right down at the bottom there was uh, government speak uh, government um, government religious leaders and wealthy people. So don't have a wealthy person telling someone what to do, and particularly not a wealthy person who's a politician. We have some issues. We have plenty of them at the moment, don't we? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and also this report, this is really interesting as well, linking back to the political sphere, is 2020, the, the trust values were um, competence and ethics. So epic fail in the current UK government on any trust. <laughs> we should send them that trust report. Really. Yeah, exactly. They may not be interested in it, though. No. Um, when it comes to running an ethical and sustainable business, what has been your biggest struggle so far? And can you tell us a bit about how you've overcome it? 
So um, I was going to say um, one of the biggest challenges I have um, is, at the moment, um, and I'm actually looking to overcome it, um, is kind of looking at my carbon footprint. Um, and as a small organisation, now I don't travel anywhere. So before it was like I only do um, only travel overland. Um, and last year I went to Spain um, for a work conference um, and it all got paid for by the client. And I was the only person who got went by train 12 hours later. Um, so those things have been overcome now because actually people care about it. But the biggest challenge I have now being the carbon footprint of the online um, sphere. So websites, hosting things on in this, in the cloud. And actually trying to quantify that is something I'm really finding a challenge because how do you equate a byte of um, data into a carbon footprint and, um, you know, emails and all those kinds of things. So I'm in the process of um, changing my website over to um, to be low carbon and getting all those done things done. I've got my, uh, it'll be on a green hosting platform. And I'm also looking and looking for ways to monitor uh, and record the footprint as well as doing things like I'm actually I'm I was going to swear then very bad at managing emails and you know post deleting them and organizing them so I'm actually paying somebody to sort out my emails because we found out that I've got 46,000 unread um unread uh email newsletters like promotional email newsletters in my personal email account and I dread to think what that is in terms of a carbon footprint. I used um, <laughs> clean.email. It's a software. And I've been looking for something for my personal email account. My business one was always really good. It's always had like 100 at the most. But um, but my personal one, you kind of finish work and you go, I really can't bother. Yeah. So <laughs> it just got worse and worse and worse. And yeah, clean.email brilliant within two hours i had deleted sorted got rid of so many emails that i didn't need and it basically then just sets it all up and does it all for you ongoing and now i have a really clean email box because of that it costs 60 quid a year for five computers or 30 quid for one okay i'll try that because i tried a couple of free ones to see whether they worked and um like yeah they were rubbish weren't they yeah i wasted hours yeah. and i was like i want to do the right yeah. thing but like time time this is my weekend yeah. and that's the reason why i ended up paying yeah because um i was sick and tired of using yeah just they were rub the free ones were rubbish mm. and it's the reason why i went to gmail in the first place was because i figured that there would be an easy way of getting rid of spam yeah and it seems that's not the case yeah <laughs> Well, thanks for your there you go. So, Google and listening, there's an ad in there for them. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> would probably pay for. <laughs> um, so if you could offer one piece of advice to our listeners which could help them with their purpose, what would that be? So this would be, so I think if I was um if there was one piece of advice and you're trying to encourage other people to um, be more environmentally friendly or socially aware, whatever it is that you're trying to uh, encourage other people to do is 
I would say um, to take a massive step back before you start telling them what to do. Um, it's an environmentalist, uh, sort of a very bad habit of environmentalists. Um, but just really think about what the need is of that person behind their behaviour. So is it that they're trying to complete something as quickly as possible? Is it that they are trying to um, get their work, yeah, get their work done quick as possible? Is it that they um, are looking to make a difference, or is it that say with things like, uh, is they looking for comfort? Is it that um, I, I was talking to someone about um, they were doing a campaign around. Um, clothes and fashion and they wanted people to um, throw less things away um, and we took a step back and said okay well what are they doing they're buying fast fashion why are they buying fast fashion because they want to stand out what's their need they want to look individual they want to fit in with their peer group so whatever advice you're going to give them make sure the solution meets their needs because if you're not meeting their needs you won't get that behavior change and the um, advice for changing habits is that you, if you want to change a habit, then you need to replace it with something that does the same thing. If you try and change a habit with something that doesn't meet your needs, the brain will not, will not make that change because it won't be satisfied. And as human beings, we're very, you know, we still have mammal brains and we very much need satisfaction and pleasure and feeling good. So if you're trying to switch a habit and the habit, you know, like classic of telling people that they should walk to work or cycle and you realise that what's the needs? What does a car do? It's convenient. They stay warm. They can pick up their children at the same time. If that thing doesn't meet their needs, you're not going to change their behaviour. So it's about understanding what people's needs are. And that, for me, is the key to any kind of behaviour change in any communication, any campaign that people are working on. OK, yeah, that's interesting. That's really interesting. Have you carbon footprinted your organisation? And if you have, would you say it's been a benefit? Um, so I haven't carb I'm in the process of doing it um, with website things, but I have done carbon footprinting for lots of other organisations. And yes, I definitely would say it's a benefit. I used to do it for festivals and events. I've done it for um, uh, at lots of events and I'm working with a couple of charities at the moment to do it. And the benefit for me and for them is about really getting a benchmark that then you, they can then look at things like travel and other impacts and find a way of reducing them. But something that's ki kind of like a con concrete, I mean, it's fluffy CO2 in the air, but a benchmark to actually work from. Um, the challenge and the issue I always find with it is that you can use different um, tools and you can come up with different um, CO2 figures. So that can always kind of, you know, makes the the concreteness of carbon footprinting is what I find challenging but I think going through that process gives people something to hang hang their um, changes on which you know just talking about something like oh well you know if you do this you'll reduce the kilowatts of energy that you're uh, consuming at the moment that you know what does that mean whereas at least carbon now has bit a bit more is a bit more tangible and talking about reducing carbon footprint is something that people want to do more and more now 
surely if um, the tools that you're talking about, if they adhere to the GHG protocol, then they should all come out with the same one because you're using the same carbon factors. Except for carbon factors change each year, don't they? So it depends on whether... Yeah, and they should. And they should because um, the carbon factors come from the from the UK, from the government, yeah. and comes from the amount of emission, carbon that's been emitted the year before. It just depends but on I'm, whether the, the carbon calculators have updated at the same time or whether they've got them in. But, you know, and, and also, I mean, I've tried, like working with different organisations, I've sort of tried ones where they use, they do some kind of like uh, generalisation. So they make some best guesstimates about um certain things and you know like for, especially for events you can find really really varying kind of figures for things so in the end i've just ended up going back to the uh the defra figures and just like okay what's what's the actual figures here that we've got to work on that are actually concrete yeah yeah that makes that makes a lot of sense um when it comes to reducing the environmental impact and carbon footprint of um, your or other businesses, what would you say has been your biggest single challenge or frustration? Um, so I think I might have already answered this, but it's probably this whole um, bit about um, the uh, carbon footprint of the on- online world um, and just really getting a handle on what that is. I. I went, I reached out to, because of using lots of third party software, like say um, email newsletters are, are on are hosted on say MailChimp or other, other programs are available um, or Buffer and all these things. And knowing that I'm storing and I've got an online, um, I've got an online course platform. That's a big plug there. Mm. Um, so I'm storing all this. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to ask you about it afterwards. Don't worry. <laughs> So I'm posting all this stuff on their platforms and trying to find out what servers they're using um, and whether their servers are hosted on a green uh, with green energy. Very, very challenging. In the end, I got on, I was like a Twitter warrior and just like tweeting people, Buffer, what are you doing? And MailChimp still haven't actually replied. And then a lot of them will say, oh, well, we're using Google. And so we think that Google is on green energy, but we're not sure, or we're on Microsoft. So then it's, you know, it's just like these third parties and it goes back and back. And then I've done research into, well, what's Google's thing and what are they doing and Amazon? And it turns out they're all buying credits for their um, energy, for their their thing. So, you know, and I'm looking actually at turning my, um, putting my, some all my, pla- my online training onto a, a local, um, Le- uh, learning management system that I would host on a green server, you know, as a way to manage this better, just so I know how what the carbon footprint is or what energy supplier it's actually on. But for a lot of organisations, and you know, all this stuff is quite time consuming and quite confusing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is. It is. It's an absolute nightmare. And um, I mean, I know for one compare your footprint is hosted on amazon servers mm. and we at compare your footprint aren't particularly happy about that mm. but we have to for security there aren't that many they're literally a there's one other platform that we could have done it through and that um and so we 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 have our hands tied behind our backs and we'd love to be big enough that we could we could host um it 
but we need that flexibility and we need that bandwidth and we need we need the security because um that's actually almost more important than the environment is mm. it <laughs> i don't know i i you know if it isn't then we would have to explain to clients why um we have a less secure site mm. than our <laughs> and i'm not sure if they would buy that they'd probably go well you need to be more secure yeah <laughs> Well, this is and this is the thing, isn't it? It's like where do these things stop? And um, actually, there's an interesting. I don't know if you heard of the Sustainable Web Manifesto that Whole Grain Digital yes, have got. Yeah. I was actually going to ask you if you've spoken to Tom and Vanita because they're friends. I'm waiting for their um. Their, with business declares, they're bringing out a toolkit for online um online things. So I'm waiting for that mm. to appear. But um, they have got the Sustainable Web Manifesto. And I did ask them, have they asked or is that being pushed out to people like Amazon and um, bigger organisations? Because that, that's the thing that, you know, what can we do? All we can do is lobby those big um, servers to say, OK, when are you going to actually provide your own? You know, when are you going to if your things are in the desert, when are they going to have um uh, solar panels on them or you know wherever they are how are you going to actually have green energy rather than just buying credits yeah i think it needs to happen i mean there's did you see that um documentary on was it channel four on servers in america no it's on one of those things i'd like to watch when i'm not feeling when i want my evenings to be depressed which you know given the current climate i try to find fun things to do with my evenings that involve staying at home and not watching depressing tv programs to be honest with you Libby, it's actually not that bad okay. it's actually quite i think with what you're with what you're talking about and what you're trying to achieve it I, it possibly may not be a bad thing to watch it's not you're not going to come away and and yeah, leave really the web depressed. for good. Stop hosting online <laughs> online training programs. Yeah, no, it's it's more that the change needs to happen, mm. and it is happening. And I think it's just highlighting how much. And it's, I mean, it goes back to your behaviour change. I think probably, you know, one company set up a server in Virginia, another one did, another one did, another one did, and then they end up with like. I don't know how much percentage of the US um, servers are all in Virginia, but it was amazing. It, but and you can see it's such a natural thing. No one's no one's done anything wrong. Like no one's been kind of ha ha ha. We're gonna get a coal powered station to fu- to do all of these servers in twenty years time. They literally just business developed and then they ended up the way they are. And that. <laughs> And that's for me when, you know, this whole thing about having that understanding about how things have got to where they are or why particular, you know, people have gone down a particular avenue. Often it's the butterfly effect. But, you know, it's very easy to be sort of accusatory and saying, you know, yeah, the web's doing this. And it's like, well, it, it's, a, a, you know, it's a it's a consequence of this thing. It didn't deliberately set out to it. And it's when, you know, um, people get angry with people who fly and it's like, well, they, they wanted to go on holiday or they wanted to go somewhere. The means of doing that is a plane that's run by fossil fuels. No one inherently sets off to, you know, to create a massive carbon footprint. They just wanted to go on holiday and have some sunshine. Yeah, yeah. 
I, I, I don't know why it suddenly rem- reminds me of this, but I always remember in Bristol, um, which I know that's where you're from, there's a big Tesco's um, that was going to be built and there was a huge amount of protest around it being built. And um, there was quite a lot of delay, I think, in building this Tesco's. And then I remember finding it quite funny, but I shouldn't. But that Tesco's brought out that one of their most profitable stores was um, the one in Bristol. Um, And it just, I kind of just made me laugh that there are, you know, and I bet you half of the people that were protesting against Tesco's were just were then going to Tesco's. And if you remember Tesco's at that time, in like ten years ago, twelve years ago, were the were, were an evil company. Like they were not a good company. Uh, they treated everyone badly. They, and uh, but didn't realise that actually everyone knew someone in their supply chain. So you either had a friend who worked there or you had a friend who was a farmer who dealt with them or you had a, you know, and suddenly people were going, I'm not buying from Tesco's anymore. I don't like them. And their stock dropped there. They just started to, because people started not wanting to go there anymore. And that was when they got their new CEO in and changed things around. And they, I think from all accounts and from looking at them, I think they're probably quite good as a company now or way better than they were Um then and i don't know why i just rambled about that but i just is that behavior chase that whole thing of um when you're talking about flights and being accusatory and annoyed and then but people do say one thing and then do another anyway well the the massive thing that um tesco's has and they understand is um our need for convenience and so our brains are wired for shortcuts and that's it so um ultimately we want things to be easy because energy using energy thinking about things we just want the shortcuts and we're always looking for them so supermarkets know this and this is why big supermarkets work because they provide a one-stop shop where you can get everything in one place and there's so many things now where convenience is becoming king and a lot of that convenience isn't so environmentally friendly like um ready meals and all these things but those ready meals tap into this behavioral need for the easy option and again I'll talk about environmentalists in a sort of a very broad term but again quite a lot of environmental solutions are presented and they're hard work and they're complicated and they involve lots of different steps and it's like that's not what the brain wants don't ask people to switch from this you know really easy option something difficult and actually as we're in Veganuary, I think it's very pertinent because um, I've been a lifelong vegetarian and I went vegan for environmental reasons. I now have Flexigan. Um, but looking at... Could you tell us what Flexigan is? A flex- Just quickly, sorry. Vegan. All right, okay. You like a flexitarian is a flexible vegetarian. So, or a flegan, right. whichever, I mean, flexigan, flegan. It sounds like I eat fleas if I say I'm a flegan. <laughs> but... Um, but uh, when people want going vegan, historically meant you had to cook everything from scratch and buy lentils and buy lots of pulses. And if you're used to eating a plate which has meat and two veg, suddenly you take away the meat and there's a big hole. Well, now going vegan means you can still have a lump of something on your plate and some veg because of all the meat alternatives. And what that means is for the brain, it's not as difficult 
to become a vegan because there's less there's less learning of cooking there's less actions and it's a very simple switch so going back to that habits thing it's still convenient unfortunately they're in lots of plastic but that is happening and um and they and they also serve the same purpose so they look the same they kind of i think i've never eaten meat taste the same so this this making this switch is being done in a way that's convenient and this again is like a really key thing for behaviors in the workplace in the home you need to make them convenient yeah no yeah i agree i agree totally is there any advice or learning that you'd like to share with anyone listening to the podcast um, about um, this? So I think my biggest learning um, is about doing things, um, not trying to do everything at once um, because it'll make your brain explode. And our brains also can't cope with sudden change and it needs to do things incrementally so uh making changes to a business making changes with your work in your workplace um they need to be done incrementally and they need to be allowed the chance to embed in and take um take time the brain um does if it's tired and it's got too much on it resorts to the habits and the kind of things that are just on autopilot. So if you want to really yeah, make changes in your business, don't do it when you've got lots going on because it won't happen. You need to give it the time and the space that it deserves. And where can we learn more about you? You've um, you in, you've inferred that you've got online training. Um, oh, course. And where can we find? Where can we find um, information about that, please? We'll obviously put a link on our website as well to it. So um, sustainablesidekicks.com forward slash events is where all the upcoming workshops and the on-demand ones, which are currently hosted on a website that may or may not have a footprint. Um, and then you can find me on LinkedIn as Livy Drake. And I'm always sharing kind of latest bits of research that I've heard or examples of how I'm applying this with my clients or with myself and how I'm overcoming my own brain and um, <laughs> changing my habits. I love it. Overcoming your own brain. Yep. That sounds scary. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Thank you so much for being on today, Livy. It's been really, really interesting and really useful for me and really and hopefully useful to um our listeners but thank you very much no worries thank you thanks for listening to our sustainable business podcast if you want to learn more about sustainable business and talk to other like-minded professionals apply to join to our online community at sustainabilitysolve.org Join now and find a space for you to collaborate, learn and inspire others to become more environmental. If you enjoy this podcast, don't forget to follow Green Element on LinkedIn, Twitter and Instagram.